0: Use the Force,
1: Luke. Let go. The Force is strong in this Luke, trust me. His computer's
0: off. Luke, you switched off your targeting computer. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm all right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampas Lair podcast. This is episode number 412, Using the Light Side. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Bell ZFR to my Elzar man, we've got Carl LeClaire.
1: Another week, another High Republic comparison. I am very okay with that. My goodness. Um, I'm. Still... I just need
0: an excuse to use all these characters. That's all.
1: <laughs> Light of the Jedi, the High Republic era has already introduced us to some incredibly awesome Star Wars characters, and of course, Jedi to to say the least. Um, and all of this, you know, inc- these incredible Jedi stories from High Republic that we're getting have Jason and I thinking so much about the light side of the force. So this week, what we want to do is just look at some specific moments where we see the light side being used and and why those moments are particularly of, of importance or, you know, whatever to Jason and I. So we're just picking some random scenes and moments from all across star Wars to talk about times when we see the light side being used in this week's episode. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that, Jason.
0: I'm very excited about this. So, yeah, uh, I've got some interesting ones and some ones that people are going to, huh, about. But yes, this is going to be a good time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into some of these uh, light side force moments, we of course had a poll last week where um, we asked all of you who your favorite character was in the Light of the Jedi novel. That's you know, came out just over a month ago now. Um, So there were uh, some, some great responses to this one, Jason. What did folks, and obviously that being said, I I don't think this was the most uh, responded to poll we've done in a while. And I think that's mainly just because there are obviously some folks who haven't had the chance to read the book or maybe just don't read Star Wars literature. And that's totally fair too. So to any of you who weren't able to participate, um, we apologize that you weren't able to participate in this one, but obviously we are so excited about this book. So we wanted to just get from those who have been uh, tackling Light of the Jedi, Who? what are the characters that stood out to them? So Jason, what did folks have to say?
0: Oh man, um, we have, we've got some fun, some fun responses here. So uh, in fourth place with one vote each, um, we have, and I'm not sure if this was a serious decision or not, but it cracked me up. Uh, we've got Wet Bub, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Gungan uh, a criminal lackey. Uh, pretty funny. Uh, we've got Martian Rowe, the, the villain of the piece. Uh, we've got Porter Engel, who is a fantastic Jedi character. I love Porter Engel. Um, and then in third place, with two votes each, we've got Bel Zetafar and Elzar Mann the uh two sort of hot headed uh Jedi of the bunch um in second place uh with five votes, this is where things start really you know separating out from the pack. Uh, we've got Avar Chris with five votes, and then in first place with eight votes, uh including mine, Loden Greatstorm. Carl, you picked avar Chris correct
1: I did yeah it w- and and it was a very close between her and Elzar man. Um, I love Elzar's kind of uh, experimental view of the Force. You know, always trying mm-hmm. to find new ways to push boundaries, to to experience and interpret the Force in new ways. But at the end of the day, I I think Avar's um, beautiful ability to hear the Force as a song and her way of uh, having this empathetic connection to the the majority of the Jedi just really gave me an edge for her. And, and so many of the scenes of her um, just being able to pull herself into this deep place of meditation and connecting to the force in the midst of battles, in the midst of chaos. Um, to me, that's something very uh, aspirational. <laughs> so um, as someone who, whenever I'm in the midst of chaos, just feels the chaos. So Avar Chris is someone who I think really raises the bar uh, for, for Jedi. And obviously we've just gotten a few images of her, and I, I think she's just a stunning looking character um but Jason you know obviously the majority of folks like yourself picked picked Loden who is also a phenomenal Jedi so I'm curious why he's he's your top pick um I
0: I I, I love it because he's you know he's got a sense of humor which I think all Jedi kind of need um, especially if they are as powerful as someone like Loden Greatstone is because He's incredibly powerful as a Jedi. He uses the force in a way that's, um, he has, I, I guess the word is that he, he, he has such faith and trust in the force that he's like, of course I can do that. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and that kind of mentality is just a really fascinating and, and incredible place to be. Um, but I, I do love his sense of humor. um, And he's got a really, you know, I'm not going to lie, his the ending of the book probably weighed into this, too, because Mm. of where we leave Loden Great Storm um, at the end of Light of the Jedi. And I'll leave that one vague for now in case people haven't read it yet. Uh, If you want to know about it, though, just listen to our previous episode uh, because we did talk about that. Um, So that that's kind of uh, why I, I love I love that character.
1: But he he is a great character i mean i think i i mean to be honest i feel like every jedi that was introduced in this book had something to grab your attention um i mean and and obviously you know you and i and greg all talked last week about how maybe the one kind of downside to the the novel was that there were so many characters introduced um that at times it got a little bit confusing um but I think the great thing is, is now we have these, you know, you know, five, five or six new Jedi characters specifically to continue to explore through the rest of this series. And I'm sure we'll meet more along the way, but I think that their stories are going to get fleshed out more and more and more as we go. Um, And there wasn't one Jedi character I read that I wasn't interested in. (laughs) So um, it was just how interested in them, in them are I, am I, my goodness. (laughs) So,
0: um, <laughs> yeah, we're in a very good place now. It's a very good place, and I'm very excited to to see kind of how how things progress and where these characters go. And of course, any of them could die at any moment. Yeah. You know, it's it's not set in stone uh because we have no idea. There's no set end Storm. for any of these characters. You know, in phase two of the High Republic, Avar, Chris could be gone, and then where would the Jedi be? Uh, to if they don't have that you know that sort of bridge to connect them all to work together you know things like that uh, I do I think that's going to happen probably not uh, but I'm just saying Better it's not. possible
1: yeah yeah it is yeah and 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 I know Charles Soule said this in several of the interviews he's done since before and after the book has come out where he said you know that was one of the exciting elements that both he as well as the other folks in the High Republic creative team um, were excited about was it all of these characters are new. None of them are in any other projects. I mean, obviously, and Yoda. Um, so they're all all of their fates are up for grabs, you know, um, yeah. And, yeah. and I think that 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 makes it quite exciting. And right. Uh, I got it. Uh, our friend Jim Capron, he and I had a great conversation a little while back after the finale of Mandalorian about, you know, um, obviously a lot of folks were talking about how, oh, clearly Grogu's going to die when you know Ben Solo becomes Kylo Ren and it's like I mean I really don't think that just because it's 25 years later I don't think Grogu's still there wherever Grogu yeah. may be but at the end of the day Jim Jim made a great point where he said you know what we need to do a better job of is, is Star Wars fans is understanding that just because someone exists at one point and we don't see them later doesn't always mean that they die right like characters right. can I mean- make decisions or go places where they remove themselves from the mainline story, but they don't need to die to get there. And I think that that's a great point because, you know, obviously we don't see any we probably we know we don't see any of these characters minus Yariel Poof and Yoda come the prequel trilogy. But That doesn't mean that they all necessarily have to die in the midst of these stories that can mean that they we get to see like this is why part of the reason I loved Porter Angle is we get to see what does an old Jedi do once they're kind of done with their high time in the in the order and on the council? What do they get to go do? So, like, it'll be interesting to see, like, what 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 does a retired Jedi look like? You know, it's it's a very exciting uh, avenue to explore.
0: Yeah. And speaking of Grogu um and and stuff, I I don't think he's done in the Mandalorian series. I think no he's going to get some training. I think he's going to be able to control his powers. Then I think he's going to come home to Daddy. Um <laughs> I I really do. That's I I don't I don't think he stays and trains to be a Jedi. I think he stays and trains to get control of his powers. Um but it just reminds me of back when the Clone Wars was going on and uh, you know, back in the early days of the Clone Wars, and how everyone was like, well, obviously Ahsoka's going to die. Hmm. Um, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's this all over again, you know? It's like, because she's not in the original trilogy. She's not in Revenge of the Sith, so she has to die during the Clone Wars somehow, right? Um, and then they didn't do that. So... <laughs> uh, and now she's Great continued point. on well past the original trilogy at this point um, in terms of her storyline. So uh it's it's going to be a lot of fun to see which one of the which of these characters in the high republic gets that treatment who goes out in a blaze of glory or a, or a moment of self-sacrifice um and who kind of gets to just fade out into retirement after there are you know the the period of conflict at this time fades away so you know um it's It's going to be interesting to see um, I'm, and I'm looking forward to finding out uh, with all these characters i I unfortunately, while I would love to see Loden Great Storm make it to the end of the series, um, where he's at right now, I'm not sure that's going to happen, uh, mm. but I don't think he's dying. In the next book, no I'll way. say at least not yeah. like not not like at the beginning of the next book. He's not like <laughs> all right, we're back with Martian on Row and loading great storms at his feet. Um, so yeah, we're not gonna do that. Uh, but yeah. fingers crossed. I, I think Bell's Edfar is gonna find his master someday.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um, but
0: that's just a theory at this point. My yeah. own. I don't have nothing to back that up with.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> Um, well, but we've got a fun, yes. uh, poll for everybody at the end of this episode. So stay tuned for that. And it's, it's going to be, uh, something everyone will be able to participate in, not just folks who've read, a, um, of a new book series. So don't worry about that. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that being said, before we, uh, yeah, hop into our light side moments here, we had a, a giveaway, um, up for everybody this past week in light of the fact that we just did all sorts of discussion and spending time with light of the Jedi. We wanted to give away a free copy of the light of the Jedi novel. And our winner of this uh, month's giveaway is Mark Adler. So congratulations, Mark on your copy of the light of the Jedi. Wonderful clapping. Jason Um, (laughs) was very subtle, but very respectable. Um, So Mark will be in touch with you about getting you your copy of light of the Jedi sent to you. And, uh, we will have another giveaway at the start of March for you all as well. Um, so I have just a quick side note. I have found that I love specifically with the pandemic still going on. I have loved going over to the post office every, every other week or so. And just like either mailing a letter to a friend or mailing a little package to a friend, um, and uh, there are only two people that work at my post office, and one of them is just an incredibly kind woman who is a huge nerd. Uh, she, she specifically loves Star Trek, and Star Wars is like a, a, a beloved second, it sounds like for her. So we talk about Star Wars every time I'm in there, which is great. Um, so it's, it's been really fun just popping in and, and sending off little surprises to friends and doing these giveaways. So we hope to continue doing the giveaways for as long as the pandemic (laughs) plagues us, at least to try to give everybody at least once a month, something fun to look forward to hopefully. Um, so Mark, congratulations on, on this month's giveaway.
0: Yes. Well, uh, and, uh, we hope you enjoy your copy of light of the Jedi as much as we did. Um, so it's it's a fantastic book um and and claudia gray's book comes as of this recording claudia's gray's book has just released and i'm getting the audiobook as soon as my credit gets into my account tomorrow so um <laughs> yes i'm very much looking forward to that
1: yes and i i was lucky enough to to borrow uh You know, my buddy Greg's advanced copy a few weeks ago and 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 read it. And it's awesome. It is so, so much fun. So my copy should arrive in the mail by the end of the week. And I plan to reread it in the next couple of weeks. And I'm sure we'll be back here in no time talking about that book because I I just I just I'm I'm just so on board with this High Republic era. And I want to make sure we give it give it it's time to digest and talk about it and hopefully get other folks hyped with us so that they can continue, you know, populating this, this era. So
0: I I'm know. very excited about this. Likewise, but we've got some other force things to talk about too. So Carl, yeah. uh, maybe we should uh, head over to our topic.
1: Yes. So this is not, um, at least for me, this is not a top five, um, we were originally like, Oh, let's do a top five light side force moments type thing. And we've done things like that. I think years ago, um, to be fair, a lot of top fives that I've pitched to Jason in the last few weeks, he's like, I think we did that. Um, but this is kind of what happens when you've been doing a show for 10 years and 400 plus episodes is sometimes you want to talk yeah. about the same thing a few years later. And sometimes we're going to do it. <laughs> um, yes. But uh, so we just kind of picked five particular light side moments that we just felt like talking about. So Even though I have these, like, uh, in five through one, they aren't particularly ranked. It's just these are five moments about light side force moments that I wanted to talk about. And I think kind of the same for you, Jason.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was – some of these are definitely in my top five if I Mm. had to make a list. Yeah. Um, But these are the kind of the ones that popped into my head while we were preparing uh, for this episode. And I was like, I really want to talk about this and and what I think about this. Um, So – yeah, definitely more the latter. It's more of a, these are the ones on my mind right now, not necessarily a full top five. So, for sure. For sure.
1: Um, so, who's kicking this one off?
0: Uh, you go first. I go first. Can't understand you through the app. No, sorry. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> um, uh, why don't you go first this time, Carl? Okay, awesome. Um, my, my first moment I want to talk about comes from Empire Strikes Back and it's a little moment, Jason. It's just that, that quick scene where Luke calls the lightsaber to his hand during the duel on cloud city when they're in the carbon freezing chamber. Um, I just love this moment. Um, and really quick, I want to play the clip of this scene from the radio drama. So I love the way, cause again, right in radio dramas, you have to kind of, in dialogue say what's going on. So I think it's really cool the way Mark Hamill chooses to narrate this scene. So here's the scene in the Empire Strikes Back radio drama. Play, please. Impressive. <laughs> Far higher and faster than a mere human could leap. Most impressive. But the duel cannot be won by all this leaping and evading. I know that. Come. Here is your lightsaber at my feet. Take it up if you dare. You're not afraid. Here, try some carbonite. The Force calls my lightsaber. To me! I love the way he just goes, the Force calls the lightsaber. To me! It's it's so aggressive. It's like all of a sudden Mark Hamill turns into Christian Bale's Batman. Um I love it. Swear to me! Swear to me! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I I really, really enjoy this little moment, uh, mainly because it just shows in the in the course of this movie, in the course of Empire Strikes Back, how much Luke has grown in his connection to the Force. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at the beginning of the movie, as he's dangling upside down in the wobble Lair. You know, it takes... Right along,
0: the rest of, right along the side of the two of us, you know. Right,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's you know, with all the blood rushing to his head, it takes him, you know, some, some real concentration and really taking a moment to pull that lightsaber to himself. Um, You know, it's like, he's still in this place where he's very much learning to trust in the force um, and trust in his ability to use the force. But between that moment and then this moment when he's dueling Vader and the carbonite chamber, he interacts with Yoda and he gets all this training and, Ultimately, I, I've I've always thought that what Yoda ultimately trying to teach Luke is to believe in himself and to believe in his connection to the Force. And calling one's lightsaber to themselves should be something that's pretty easy. And at this point of the movie, it is exactly that for Luke. We don't see him having to close his eyes and really concentrate. He just reaches out his hand and boom, it flies to him. And, mm. you know, I, it just... Every time I've seen that moment after seeing attack of the clones, it just makes me think of Mace Windu when he calls the lightsaber to his hand when he's about to kill Jango. Right. It's mm-hmm. and it's obviously such a, a great Samuel L. Jackson moment, the way he just yeah. stands up and kind of like such a cool cat and just calls it to his hand. Like it's like, you know, for us just reaching down and tying our untied shoot or something like it's just something mm-hmm. so innate and so easy for the Jedi of the prequel era. And you know, if, if you were to actually watch the Star Wars movies sequentially, watching Luke in the Wampa layer, you'd be like, oh, my God, he really sucks. <laughs> but then, yeah. you know, at the end of the movie here, it's just so second nature to him. And I also really appreciate the moment because it shows how much that Skywalker kyber crystal has bonded with Luke. Um, the way it just flies to him, you know, think about the way it bonds to Rey in Force Awakens and flies to her at the end on Starkiller base. Well, so this is this you know mm-hmm. i feel like this is so much the case with luke here when he reaches out his hand you know the 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 lightsaber is his life and it flies to him and it flies to him for the purpose of defense vader's about to strike him down well the force is going to protect him and and, and you know that kyber crystal that's bonded to him now flies into his hand to to protect him so that's my first moment that i wanted to talk about
0: that's a good moment and um i i do you know obviously the first thing that popped in my head is just the the uh the growth that he has ex- experienced just in the the time frame of the film so uh it it really is astounding and, and quite impressive to see how how far he has gone and uh how how more secure his connection to the force is and how much more confident and uh given over to that connection he is at this point. And this is just, you know, highlighting that. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the number five moment I want to talk about isn't actually, um, a force user per se. Okay. Uh, but it is an example of the force at work and the light side of the force uh, in particular, obviously, um, and This is a belief in the Force. We're going to Rogue One, and I'm... my favorite moment of Rogue <laughs> One. So you, you knew it, you knew it, didn't you, Carl?
1: I almost put this on my list because I was like, ooh, I, I feel like I want to put this in because it's like a little bit of a, you know, different thing because it's not specifically a Jedi, but I was like, Jason will have it. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you were right. Um, so yes, this is this is Chirrut walking out to the
0: master switch um, on uh, there on Scarif. For like a sp- split second, I almost said, said Jeda, and I was like, that's not right. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Arif. Um, and obviously, Chirrut uh, is, is not a force wielder, but he is a believer in the force and the light side of the force in particular. And so, he, uh, you know, takes this moment, grips his staff right below where that Kyber crystal is encased because there is a Kyber crystal inside the head of his staff there. Um, and he just gives himself into his the belief of the Force here as he steps out amidst a raging firefight. The lasers are whizzing past him. There's explosions. There's grime and dirt everywhere. But he makes it out. He completes the mission and enables the rebels to get the plans out because of his sacrifice that he ends up making.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. ah i love that moment too jason it's it's totally like a a completely different kind of force moment right because he is specifically not a jedi right let's, let's give this music a second so good I just had to play that music because it's so it's so good it's, it's my so favorite good.
0: music oh. from the movie it's my favorite scene from the movie i will never say no if you want to play this clip or this music carl um
1: Shit, <laughs> come back <laughs> oh yeah no i it's such a great moment you know um that like we've talked about many times over the years but it's that moment when Chirrut does exactly what uh, a Jedi would do with the light side of the force, which is ultimately trust in it, (laughs) you know? So Mm -hmm. Chirrut walks out there with nothing but his faith in the force, um, believing that the force will protect him to do what needs to be done. And that faith is rewarded. And I, yeah,
0: almost more impressive than what a Jedi themselves would do in this situation, because the Jedi has the use of the force to aid them and assist them in an active manner sure it doesn't right right does he has to just believe and have that faith and and rely on that to the exclusion of all the chaos around him including his friend yelling at him to come back and return to the safety of of where they're hiding you know it's it's incredible it is one of the most um completely devoted moments of faith in the entire star Wars saga.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, you know, Yoda tells Luke and Empire Strikes Back, you must feel the force between you, the land, the ship everywhere. Jarrett mm-hmm. does, you know, he can't particularly utilize it in the way a Jedi could, like he can't lift his hand and deflect those bolts. He doesn't have a lightsaber to deflect them. All he has is his faith. And we see how, how powerful that faith is in the light side Um, and the force protects him so that he can do what he believes the force is calling him to do. Um, So yeah, that's a great moment. I love it. I'm one with the force and the force is with me. And we see that quite literally become true.
0: (laughs) Indeed. All right. Well, uh, what's your number four uh, moment that you want to talk about, Carl?
1: Uh, Well, my next moment comes from rise of Skywalker and it's the moment when Ben uses the force to heal Ray. Um, and I know that rise of Skywalker is a heavily debated movie and, and I get it, but it's got some great stuff in it. And I feel like this, um, I mean, this is the, the most light side thing anyone can do. Um, and at the end of the day, this is the pinnacle of completing what Anakin was was seeking to do what anakin started right force awakens kylo says i will finish what you started thinking i I, you know again it's up for debate what he meant in that moment um but uh i'm of the opinion by the way sorry quick side tangent i feel like in force awakens what kylo is referencing is bring balance to the force i think he believes that the force is out of balance again and it's his job to complete what anakin started but be that as it may in a very literal way what what Ben is able to do here at the end of episode nine is complete what Anakin started, which is this desire to save the people he loves. And Ben learns how to do that from Ray, that you're capable of healing somebody by giving them some of your life force. Or in this instance, Ray is dead, right? Like this is, Quite literally a resurrection scene. And and I know again, like I understand if that scene doesn't work for you and you, you're like, oh my God, this makes no sense in Star Wars lore. Hey, I'm not going to try to dissuade you from that. But here's why I think it's awesome. And I think that it does work is as much as episode nine for me doesn't really work as the final chapter. This one scene does work for me so well as a final chapter of the Skywalker saga. And it's the ability to give life to something that's literally lifeless, um, and how do you do that? You completely give your life force. Um, so I would say that kind of most the most important attribute of using the light side is to give something of yourself for the welfare of another person, to keep someone else safe, to give them or you know to give them life. Um, and something Ray taught Ben you know, not long before this moment was the fact that you can transfer your life force into somebody else to heal them. So he gives all of his life force to bring Ray back from the dead. He gives everything he has in himself to give life to his beloved. Um, you know, as a, as a person of the particular Christian tradition, Jesus says there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for your friend. We kind of see that exactly happen here. Um, in this moment. And I do think that it's a really great um parallel to the fact that episode 1 ends with Obi-Wan holding his dying master, kind of unable not, well, at least not knowing how he could possibly fix this. And then the end of the saga ends with seeing that you can actually fix some you know, you can heal somebody by giving them your own life. Um and uh kind of similar to your moment you were just talking about with Chirrut we see how faith is rewarded as soon as Ben gives Ray all of his life force so that she might rise again. um, He's immediately redeemed by the force by being literally assumed into the force. And we see that as his body disappears, right? Again, it's something similar to what happened to Darth Vader. Um, How the heck could somebody so evil, you know, become one with the force? Well, because they make this final act of complete selflessness. Um, So, so I love that. I think that that is, uh, it is the type of light side power that Jedi of the prequel era specifically were incapable of because they completely disallowed themselves from attachment and love. Whereas I think something that Ray learned is that you can use the force to really give yourself to people you love. It's okay to be attached to people and give yourself to them. And I think that that's what this moment kind of sums up is that there is a goodness in attachment and in love and in and passionate love. I'm not just talking about that agape, compassionate love, but actual, you know, um, Eros love. There's something quite wonderful about it. And that's what Ben gives to Ray. So that's my moment.
0: I will even learn to stop pe- people from dying," was what Anakin said. Yep, it's not what Ben did though. He didn't stop Rey from dying, but he brought her back by giving himself completely. Yep. And George Lucas, according to Dave Filoni, has been on the record as saying that the it, you know the difference between which- the light side and the dark side isn't so much good and evil, it's, self, it's selfishness versus selflessness. Um, and and Anakin was motivated out of selfishness, he mm. couldn't let it go in this moment. Ben is motivated out of selflessness, as in, you know, the desire he gives everything for this person, this person that, um. Over the course of the movies, they've, they've you know come to love in a in an odd sense, you know, and they they really are connected not only because they are a diet of the Force, but be, as human beings, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting and very. I, I, I'd not quite put it all together uh, in terms of going back and finishing what Anakin started in a way. Um, as directly as you just did there, but that's a really good point. I'm gonna have to digest that one a little bit more. I like it, I like it a lot.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: So, um, shall I move on to my next moment, sir? Yeah, of course. All right, um, this is one that I, you know, I'm sure you will love talking about. Um, we're gonna go to Empire Strikes Back and uh, Dagova, a a place I would rather not go personally, (laughs) but um, we're going to watch Yoda lift an X-Wing out of the swamp. Um, And this is just uh, while the moment is definitely, you know, just completely illustrating the, as Carl likes to put it, the dissertation on the force that (laughs) Yoda has, has given us, um before you know life creates things makes it grow His energy surrounds us, you know, binds us um you know, and uh and all that stuff there we go, and uh luminous beings are we not this crude matter as he says so um and and Yoda finally gets to demonstrate it, you know size matters not, and it's all just punctuated ever so poignantly with Luke saying, I don't believe it. That is why you fail. This is the faith that Yoda is after with Luke, the belief, the trust in the force that Yoda has been trying to teach Luke this whole time. And, uh, it's sort of, in a sort of macro view. Um, outside of the story itself, this is also when we as an audience first figures out what the force is really about and really capable of, like this is, this is a game changing moment in our terms of understanding of the force, Mm. uh, just in terms of the story of, you know, when it was all released you know, release order. So, um, and it's, it's that kind of sort of memorable moment for me too. Um, and something that really, you know, part of why this moment was on my list to want to talk about today. So,
1: yeah, I Bye. obviously love this moment. I didn't put it on my list cause I've talked about it a million and one times. Um, but yeah, it, and I think, um, already a common theme across some of the moments we've already talked about. Jason is the fact that the light side, the, the, the use of the light side comes from a place of trust. Um, you know, and uh spoiler alert next week, we're going to look at some fun dark side moments. Uh, and there's, there's an inherent difference between how a dark side person uses the force as opposed to the light side. Um, the dark side yes. is about dominating the force and using it as a tool. Whereas the light side is about working in union with it and communion with it and trusting in it. And in this moment on Dagobah, Luke just doesn't think he's capable of doing it. It's just too much, you know. This that's a whole ship. How am I supposed to lift it? Um and Yoda demonstrates how easy it actually is if you but trust. Um mm-hmm. so that's the lesson. Trust in what you're capable of doing with the force and nothing is impossible. You know. Um right. and 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 you know that's a great point you make Jason about the fact that you know as far as release order goes, you know, we get a tidbit of what the force is and what it's capable of in a new hope. But this kind of really blows it into the limelight about how impressive the force is. Um and, you know, I, I actually really like the juxtaposition that, you know, our true blue hero, Luke Skywalker, you know, our Superman, isn't able to use the force to lift the sex wing. But then this diminutive little green goblin is able to do it with ease um because yeah. of his faith and trust in the force and and his ability to to work with it um so yeah it's an incredibly important lesson for luke that in order for the force to work through you you have to trust that it can um and and, and i think it's summed up with just a few simple words from yoda which is the force is my ally and a powerful ally it is right it's an ally It works with you. It works in concert with you. You Mm got to believe that you can, though. So, yeah, yeah, I love that moment.
0: It's not something you use. It's something you work with.
1: Right. So.
0: uh, Well, what's your next next moment, sir?
1: Well, my next one is kind of a fun one, and it comes from The Phantom Menace. And I'm going to just play a quick little clip. You don't think Anakin can win? Don't only get me wrong, though. I have great faith in the boy. Is it credit to your race? But uh, Sebulba, there is going
0: to
1: win, I think. Oh no! Gigi, Why do you think that? He always wins. <laughs> I'm betting heavily on Sebulba. I'll take that bet. What? I'll wager my new racing pod against, say, the boy and his mother. No pod is worth two slaves, not by a long shot. The boy, then. Well, we'll let the fate decide, huh? I just happen to have a chance cube here. Blue, it's the boy. Red... His mother. You won this small toss, Outlander, but you won't win the race, so it makes a little difference. (laughs) Good old Qui-Gon using the light side of the force for some good old-fashioned gambling. (laughs) I love this scene. Um, I love that in Phantom Menace twice, Qui-Gon uses the force for on the surface, somewhat questionable means. Um, uh, and I'm referring to also the moment at the beginning of the movie when he force tricks boss Nass into giving them a bongo. Um, yes. I love this about Qui. And again, like this is why Qui-Gon Jin is one of my favorite star Wars characters and Jedi. Um, is because of the fact that he's willing to use the Force however he thinks is necessary. Uh, he doesn't subscribe to this notion of the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law, if you will, to use kind of a, a phrase from the Old Testament. Um, he's not concerned with what the you know Jedi dogma says about how one should use the Force. He believes in using the Force for good, period. Um, and sometimes that calls for it in less than orthodox ways. Um, Referencing earlier in the episode when we were doing our poll, you know, Elzar Mann is a character who clearly I think would get along very well with Qui-Gon Jinn. (laughs) Um, Elzar Mann is
0: the Qui-Gon Jinn of the High Republic. There's no doubt about that.
1: And he is respected a lot more than Qui-Gon, I think. Um, Although not, but also struggles for that full acceptance from the council, just like Qui-Gon does because of that unorthodoxy. But I love this moment because it's a reminder that, um, when the force brings something into your journey and gives you a sense of where you're supposed to go, it's okay to use the force to get there. And what I mean by that is I think, For Qui-Gon, he really does believe that it's the will of the force that he had met Anakin and that it's the will of the force that he frees Anakin, which is why he's willing to shut up, set up this kind of shady little deal of betting on a pod race and then betting again for the fact that Anakin will be freed. Qui-Gon is doing and, you know, Qui-Gon can't fix the race. But in this little no. moment, you know, this is literally just a luck thing. You know, the 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 chance cube that Wato has—it's literally just luck. So Qui Gon at least forces that hand because it's the one thing he can control. So he's going to make sure that, that that at least starts off in his way. <laughs> and again, like yeah. in his mind, I, you know, Qui Gon's not going to go into the casinos of Canto Bite and start winning all the the big rolls by using the Force. That's not how he would use the Force. But in this small moment he is following the will of the force and he'll do whatever it takes to see that will come to light. And the will of the force for Qui-Gon is to free Anakin and help him become a Jedi. And in a very small way, manipulating this chance cube is one step closer to making that into a reality. So he's going to do it. And I love that about Qui-Gon again, just kind of not really caring what the Jedi dogma says, but doing what he knows to be right
0: yeah no and it's a good it's a good illustration of that because he is a maverick he is an orthodox and we're told that and this is definitely one of those moments where it's like yeah this is you can see it now too you know he's not only is he just you know got a different frame of reference a different sort of uh mindset when it comes to being a jedi and how a jedi should operate he also has a different way he applies that Mm -hmm. and uh, a way that is a lot less rigid a lot more fluid um And, uh, you know, as in some cases like this, maybe a little shady. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it is designed to work to free Anakin, which is the goal that he has in mind, which is a very pure goal, uh, a very, you know, light sided sort of goal, if you will. Um, And and like you said, he's not fixing the race. That has to be won by Anakin. And he believes Anakin can do that uh he just has to make sure the circumstances around that win work in Anakin's favor so
1: yeah and
0: hence the the chance cube roll so <laughs> yeah um well i think for my next one uh i want to take us to um to rebels, uh, this is this is a big moment. This is probably the most defining moment of the series for me. Uh, this is when Kanan Jarrus uh, becomes Caleb Doom again, well, and becomes a Jedi. Well, so he's yeah. Was
1: that? I? I was just gonna say this is gonna be my next moment too. So. Uh, i think it 's uh, worth i think it 's worth listening to this scene
0: yeah let 's do it let's- never wept more openly and harder at a star wars thing than this moment when i first watched it.
1: uh i yeah same here um until the finale of mandalorian this season this is this had been the hardest i've ever cried at a star wars thing and it was an animated cartoon.
0: <laughs> and, and i don't say that to be anim- like
1: derogatory but like i just did not expect that. no i didn't
0: either um for those who need a quick reminder, this is, of course, the uh, end of an episode. Hera had been captured. Kanan, Ezra, and Sabine have gone on a rescue mission. They've got her out. Um, they're making their escape, but they're cornered at a fuel plant. And uh, Governor Price has ordered her AT-AT driver to shoot the fuel pod that they are escaping off of and uh, in order to blow it up and blow up the group and in order to save Hera and the other two Kanan uses the force to hold back the explosion long enough for the rest of them to get away including pushing Hera back into the transport because she was not going to leave him um, at the expense of his own life so it's heartbreaking it's beautiful and his blindness fades in the final moments. He's able to see again. Um, which I think is fun, which I think is an interesting note and something I picked up on rewatching it today. And by the way, I'm just rewatching just the little clip of it in preparation for tonight's episode. I was, you know, already getting chills and having to, you know, hold back mm-hmm. <laughs> some emotion there. But, um, it was it was an interesting thought that came to me that in this moment of purest selflessness, everything becomes clear again for Canaan. Mm. Um you know, the the sight that he had, you know, come to be able to live without um returns and he is able to see clearly in this final moment of pure selflessness and love. So as he sacrifices himself for, you know, the group, but primarily Hera, let's be honest. So um, (laughs) it's, it's a fantastic scene. It's an amazing scene uh, just to watch visually, but it's, it's so deeply powerful uh, and deeply moving to me that I had to include it on this list. So and obviously Carl you did too. So
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was obviously like the number 2 thing for me here um on the on on the list for tonight. Um you know, a lot of what you've said um and and I think uh kind of similar to Ben using the force to heal ray this is again one of those big moments where we see kind of the fullness of the light side which is always used to protect and save um, people but most specifically people that you love um, and in a very similar way to to Ben Solo, Kanan Jarrus slash Caleb Doom is using the force for people that he is attached to. Again, I feel like these moments are more powerful in Star Wars when they're for when these moments are happening for specific people um, so you know, kind of that dogmatic view of the Jedi of like, oh well we're compassionate. We lay down our lives for others. It's like, yeah, but like, how much more does it mean when it's people you care about? Um, And I loved as I rewatched the scene tonight to, you know, kind of as a prep for the episode. Um, And even just watching the scene, even out of the context of the episode, it's always brings tears to my eyes. Um, Usually like if I'm watching it full on, it makes me full on cry. <laughs> but even if I'm just watching the scene, it brings tears to my eyes. And something I just kind of noticed as I was watching tonight, and maybe lots of folks have noticed this, so apologies if you have, but the fact that Canaan has both arms stretched out, one to hold the fire at bay and one to hold Hera at bay, and the way his body stretches out like that, it's a cruciform. You know, Canaan becomes like a, at a cruciform position with both arms stretched out. Um, and again, in at least Western religious culture, the cruciform, the crucifix is a symbol of sacrifice about laying down your life for the people you love. Um, and that's exactly what Caleb Dune slash Canaan and are doing in the moment is he is putting himself on a metaphorical cross to lay down his life for the people he loves, um, Again, a very beautiful quote from the Gospel of John is there is no greater love than this than to lay down your life for those that, you're, that are your friends. Um, and we see Canaan doing that in this very moment. He gives all of his life to make sure that, like you said, Jason, I think most specifically Kara, uh, Hera is made safe, but also this little ghost family that he's been part of for the past couple months to couple years. I don't exactly know how long Rebels spans, but um He's doing this to keep his family safe. And I can't say enough about how much I love the music in this moment. Um, It's Mm. rebels quite a few times has this very ethereal ethereal music. Um, I'm also thinking of when they first go to Lasat, uh, we get a very different type of musical style. And this is something also very different for, again, an animated show. It's something very um, dramatic and epic, but also very choir heavy and to me i've always interpreted this as like this is the voice of force angels or the the wills themselves singing this mournful praise of canaan's actions right like they recognize the beauty of it yet also the sorrow of it um and kind of you know to to sum it up there at the end with the fact that his eyes become become clear um somewhat similar to what i was saying with uh you know, Ben Solo being assumed into the force after his action. This is to me kind of the force's response to this loving sacrifice is he is able to see with clear eyes his beloved Hera one last time before he becomes one with the force. Um, and it's pretty clear to me that he does become part of the everlasting force because we hear him talk to Ray at the end of Rise of Skywalker. So Kanan is Mm -hmm. part of the cosmic force. Um, So yeah, I love that he's able to see clearly the people he loves most right before giving his life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. And just to be kind of sappy um, right before the mission where he and Ezra and Ahsoka go down into Malachor and, and have their fight with uh, the, you know, the, uh, Inquisitors and Maul, and everything where he gets blinded right before they he leaves there. He tells Hera, I'll see you again. Um, and of course, he is blinded. And uh, then here at this moment, he does see her again. So right before he dies. So, yeah, it's a it's just a great little moment and something. I'm sure they were very conscious of what they did there. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, so. you know, right. And, and and that with that in mind, Jason, that, that conscious choice to make that moment visualize, right? The fact that we see his eyes become clear. Why why do they choose to do that? I mean, again, I think there's probably a plethora of responses to that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think also, too, thinking of Kanan, this is kind of the last big thing he does in his journey as Kanan Jarrus. And I can't help but wonder how much he questioned so many of his decisions throughout his time with the ghost crew. Like, was I right to take Ezra on? Was I right to join the rebellion, even though I was afraid to do it initially and I thought I should stay hidden? Was I right
0: to reveal myself as a Jedi? Yeah.
1: Did I do the right thing? And then in those final moments, it's the Force saying, hell yeah, you were. (laughs) So. Yeah.
0: um, Yeah. He didn't question this moment, though. He did not question this moment at all. So. God, it's so good. So very, very good. Um, Should I go to my next one? Yes, please. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, skip over to the previous animated series. Um, And we're going to take a little trip to Mortis.
1: Ooh. Um,
0: And I'm picking the moment where Anakin has to uh, hold back and bring down the son and the daughter um, in their their animal forms the gargoyle and griffin forms as they're you know threatening to to kill obi-wan and ahsoka there um, at the end of the first episode of the Mortar trilogy i believe that's overlords mm-hmm. um, for those interested and this is the test that the uh the father has laid out for anakin to see if he really is the chosen one and while I'm not sure if this scene is entirely purely light side motivated, it is balance Mm. though, because Anakin has to bridge the balance in order to bring both of these entities, uh, into, I hesitate to use the word submission, but into Mm. obedience, into order. Mm -hmm. Um, as they uh you know as they are very wild in the moment, you know even the daughter who is a very you know peaceful and 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 uh almost pacifistic in some senses uh character at least at first um is kind of wild in this moment as she's you know got obi-wan there so it's uh and it's the moment where Anakin has to really live up to. This prophecy that has been whole you know, following him since he joined the order. And he has to to bring all of this into balance and to order in order to save his friends and his you know, Obi-Wan and, and Ahsoka. And uh and he manages to do it um without <laughs> without any loss of life, which is a little unusual for Anakin, especially at this point. Um, <laughs> he's the type to uh, hack first, ask questions later. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's a fantastic moment um, and uh, one that's obviously got a lot of, of significance that could be unpacked, uh, but it's just one of those things I wanted to make sure that got, that got mentioned here um because it is a a defining moment for his journey as the chosen one and and it is a sort of selfless uh act that makes him be able to bring this balance however temporarily it is to these to this place to mortis to the daughter and the son um and uh and it's you know sort of an idea of a a peek at what that might look like for him in the future for the greater galaxy
1: yeah so yeah um interesting i i it's cool that you picked something from mortis um, mortis the mortis trilogy has always been the most confusing and confounding elements of Star Wars to me um and I I, I'm always inclined to just throw them out if it, if they weren't from the imagination of George Lucas, um, kind of like I do with world between worlds. I just don't think those make sense in star Wars either, but, uh, yeah, these are kind of those fan, like super fantasy moments of star Wars that I always feel like are a little bit ill fitting in my opinion. I, I know there are folks that love them and, and, and Hey, that's cool. Um, but uh, yeah, the the stuff with Mortis though, I, I like this moment you're picking because um, it is ultimately the the moment where Anakin is trying to find that balance, um, and mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I I think oof, it's hard for me to weigh in on these things because I just don't fully understand this stuff. <laughs> so, um, but
0: I I think what we I think one of the biggest issues is with this is um I think some people put too much weight in the the personages of the father, the son, and the daughter, yeah like they are embodiments of force, but they're they're not they're force wielders, they are people, you know um. And this is just a microcosm for the galaxy at large. It's not actually, you know, I, I personally believe the father has misread the prophecy in terms of what Anakin is supposed to do. I don't think Anakin is supposed to stay there in Mortis to keep balance between the son and the daughter. Um, but that is what the father wants Anakin to do after this test is done. He's like, this is your destiny. It's what you're here for, you know. Um, I don't necessarily believe that's accurate mm. uh, it is one outcome of the prophecy but I don't believe it's specifically the one that the prophecy may have had in mind so I do think there is a bit of you know misreading that uh, you know prophecy that misread might have been as Yoda puts it in Revenge of the Sith so Uh, I think there's a little bit of that going on on the father's part in this. Yeah, It is a microcosm of what Anakin kind of has to do and has to go through in order to be able to bring balance to the force um, in the larger story. So it just all happens right here in a condensed time frame. Yeah,
1: that's a really great point, Jason. That just made me uh, understand and like this even uh, a bit more. (laughs) Yeah. Cause that's a great point. (laughs) Ultimately Anakin, what he needs to learn is to balance himself. He, he possesses both the light side and the dark side, like all Jedi and all people do something that the, Uh the Jedi of his age are a bit ignorant of is that the dark side is not evil. It is part of the force. So what Anakin needs to learn to do is bring those two parts of himself into balance, into union, really right. Um, That you can be both, Possessed by the dark side and the light side at the same time and still be the good person. Um, so I think mm-hmm. Anakin in this moment and in, in Mortis is able to do that. He's able to um, kind of take control of both of those elemental realities and bring them into balance inside of himself. Um, and that's what the prophecy calls for. And, you know, for the the father that's quite literal. Like Anakin needs to stay there and do that for, I, I sent, I guess the rest of eternity. I don't, I don't, again, like that stuff becomes a very big question mark for me, but at the end of the day, like yeah, Anakin needs to learn to take that lesson with him into his lived experience. But of course he's not allowed to because his mind is wiped as soon as they come out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but very interesting pick. Yeah. Very cool. I like it. Yeah.
0: What's your last pick? Because I think we have the same one.
1: uh, Cool. I like that. Um, It is from Light of the Jedi. And it's the moment when Avar Chris bridges the minds of all the Jedi on Hetzel in order to stop the uh, uh, coaxium, essentially, from blowing up the star in Hetzel. Uh, The liquid Tabana. Liquid Tabana. That's right. Um, This moment is so cool. And... It highlights so much of what of who the Jedi are in the High Republic. And most importantly, it shows how interconnected they are. They all seem to share this mutual love for their Jedi Order. And that's what makes this moment possible, is Avar is able to reach out not only to just the Jedi there on Hetzel, but across the galaxy, in even the Jedi on Coruscant, even Jedi like Yoda, who's somewhere off doing his own thing. She's able to reach out to all of them because there is this interconnection that exists among all of the Jedi that are part of this order because they all so fervently love that order um, Mm -hmm. and work for the same goal. So her ability to kind of hear the force as a song, I think is perfect for Avar um, because she hears the song in this moment and it's what gives her the ability to respond to the crisis. This, this isn't something for her to solve on her own. It's not something for her to do completely divorced of everybody else, but she needs the melody of all of the other Jedi to sing along with her in order to Mm -hmm. divert this crisis. Um, the force is about creating life and that happens through communion So I think this moment is so powerful because Avar Chris creates this very visceral communion among all of the Jedi because they're seeking the same goal to preserve life. Um, So uh, I just I love this so much because, again, we talked about this a little bit last week. Um, you know, a friend of mine asked me um, and I, I'm very excited to say this friend of mine had just started the light of the Jedi yesterday, uh, so I can't wait to see what they think about it. But, you know, they asked me, mm-hmm. you know, is there are there any new force powers? And, you know, as I've thought about it more and more, I feel like this is that moment. This isn't a way a new, quote unquote, force power, um, because it's something we've never seen before is. You know, the Jedi of the prequel era, which is obviously meant to be the Jedi who are doing it wrong. That's why they fall. Um, But those Mm -hmm. Jedi, I don't feel like there's this intimacy among them. You know, there's this prestigiousness to being a Jedi. They obviously respect each other and care about each other, but there's no room for intimacy like there seems to be in the High Republic. And I think Avar's ability to stretch across the Hetzel system and beyond is because she's able to tap into every single Jedi who's part of the order and their deep love for the Jedi order and, and kind of make something quite wonderful come about in it. So, again, it's not even, it's not even really about doing something. It's more about creating a communion. Um, you know, it's about creating the space where they can all just connect to each other through the Force for one in a sense, simple task um and to me, like I, I again, as a person who's spent my whole life going to church and we do communion on Sundays, the church is about creating a space where we all come into communion with this mutual belief and this mutual love um and I feel like i I love that that's what Avar Chris does is creating this force communion among all the Jedi to do something profoundly wonderful,
0: yeah. No, it's a it's a fantastic moment and it really is uh one of the greatest highlighted moments of the entire story. Like that it, 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 it's probably my favorite part of the whole book. Um because it is just so wonderful and and sort of uh incredible in in a sense. Um and she you know she's never tried anything like this before either you know uh and it's her goal only really to to connect the jedi uh in the Hetzel system to do this you know it, and it just so happens that this communion is felt across the galaxy and when they need to try it a second time and some of the jedi who are, are have been taken out either are you know or gone unconscious or or got killed in the first attempt are no longer there to to bear the load the the jedi around the galaxy who felt this happen sort of tap into the connection tap into the the communion and join it from wherever they're at and are able to bolster that and provide the backup and the the extra strength to achieve the task uh and it's really a wonderful thing and and I just have this incredibly like beautiful and striking image in my head of Avar you know leaping out of the um, the ship and landing in this field yeah. um, and then just standing like in the middle of of a clear blue sky, maybe some puffy white clouds uh you know green grass and golden grain or whatever i think it's blue actually it's a blue crop as she lands in the middle of yep um you know and just rolling hills of crops you know far as the eye can see just her in this moment and the lightsaber you know hovering out in front of her spinning in time with what she needs to focus uh as she sits there and meditates and concentrates on this like this this image in my head. Uh, is just fascinating and striking, and I want someone to do an art print of this because um, I it.
1: oh me too, <laughs> so <laughs> badly.
0: It if I had the the drawing ability, the artistic ability to do it, I would have already drawn this or painted this or whatever. I would have done it already uh, <laughs> because I have such a definitive picture in my head of what this looks like. Um, but. It is simply just a, a a moment that defies conventional belief. Um even to themselves in, in a, a little bit. You know, they, they've obviously been bridged together so they can kind of get the information from each other and, and have a fuller picture of what's going on already. They've they've done that before, but this is sort of a little bit different. This is a little bit more and it is a, a great moment when they lose it the first time and she's like i can't do it i have to i have to do this and she's like no no i don't have to do this we have to do this and she taps in and somebody else finds the um the the canister uh, the not the canister but the, the the container of of the tabana for them to be able to focus on it uh and she's able to to grab that from someone else and she relies on someone else to do it and it's it's just a fantastic terrific moment um and it's like you and i have said last week this book is so cinematic mm. um I, I have watched this scene in my head every time i've listened to the book and you know just revisiting it for this podcast you know uh just thinking about it i've I've watched this scene in my head um <laughs> a couple times today already so um it's it's that kind of description and it's it's amazing and it's wonderful hmm.
1: um yeah and I, it makes I, me it,
0: wonder it makes me wonder what's going to happen in the future uh when this kind of connection might become a problem and that might be or or might be infiltrated in some way, mm-hmm. and that's why they sort of start cutting themselves off by the time we get to the prequels. so
1: mm-hmm. Great point. Yeah. Um, so- but yeah, I want to second what you said about how, how visually stimulating this scene is, even though it's in a book. Um, I could ahead. see the same thing. I could visualize this scene every time I read it, um, and especially, you know, and, and when I listen to it as well. Um, so yeah, if, if you are currently listening and you have artistic skills and you also enjoyed this scene or could see it, if you could visualize that for us with a drawing or whatever you might be able to do, we would love to see it. So, um, I, that invitation is to open to any of you with artistic skill. Um, I, you and I both don't have, yes, you and I do not have that skill, Jason, but uh, we know there are folks who listen who do. So if, if you were inspired by that scene, my God, I'd love to see it. Um, but yeah, and hey. I, and I, I like that point you made about how there is at this point of the game, there is a very pure connection across the Jedi that they're even, you know, able to do this and that a- a- Avar is able to, um, create this connection. But yeah, what's going to happen later as that connection becomes disrupted or worse yet corrupted. um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, both both
0: of which are options with Martian row as our villain. So, right. uh, Um, and, and and
1: yeah, yeah. If maybe that's part of the reason they start becoming more, uh, insular, insular and and apathetic, you know, I feel like Mm. their, their understanding of compassion leaves a lot to be desired in the prequel era. Um, because it, there's a detachment to it and, and that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, um, I was rewatching revenge of the Sith tonight and that scene when Anakin goes to him with a very real human need of like, I'm afraid of losing something. And Yoda's response is simply, I'll just wish it away. It's like, that ain't going to work Yoda. <laughs> um, it, it, that's a great scene in the revenge of the Sith novel, by the way. Right. Cause Anakin leaves that meeting by basically saying all he has for me is all his only answer is some stupid dogmatic philosophy. I have a real need here. Um, So yeah, like what happens if, if these pure connections start to get uh, corrupted and interrupted, Um, what does that do Mm -hmm. to the Jedi moving forward? Um, And that's, you know, I love this scene so much because it also makes me think a lot of that scene with Ray at the end of rise of Skywalker, when she hears from the voices of the Jedi who've gone before, there is this pure connection moment that seems to have not existed for, over 200 years you know um but somehow ray is able to to bridge that divide um so yeah um i love that you and i both wanted to talk about this last because it's such a great moment and 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 you know if you've not read light of the jedi apologies for that spoiler it does happen very early in the book at least so hope hopefully we haven't spoiled the whole book for you um but yeah. uh it 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 ends it's towards the ends of of part 1 of the book but um uh yeah if you have read the book uh yeah it's just such a cool moment and if you haven't read the book trust me this this scene alone is awesome <laughs> so we,
0: we can't we can't give it justice just talking about it yeah. you have to either listen to it or read it yeah um yeah yeah it's really fan really fantastic
1: so Whew. there we go there are some light side moments that we clearly enjoy and like I said oh, yeah. next week we're gonna do some fun dark side moments <laughs> which are always fun it's always fun to talk dark side oh. moments
0: yes I'm very much looking forward to to going and visiting our evil brethren in this one so um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: But uh, Carl, before we, we close everything down, uh, we did have a really fun uh, matchup that we wanted to give everyone uh, that sort of uh, plays off of the topic of this episode. So what do we got?
1: Yeah. So we're going to do another scene matchup. So uh, which light side of the force scene do you enjoy more Um, The scene from chapter two of the Mandalorian where the child holds the Mudhorn at bay with the force or the scene in attack of the clones when Yoda uses the force to hold the pillar over Anakin and Obi-Wan saving them from being crushed. So Mm -hmm. we have two light side protection moments. Which one do you prefer the one with Grogu or Master Yoda?
0: Yes, I'm very excited to see what this is. Uh, well how this one turns out I should say and I think I know which one I'm going for but I'm going to do some thinking I've got a week so (laughs) um, (laughs) but uh, Carl if people want to weigh in on you know any of their favorite light side moments things that we may not have even touched um, like you know Ray reaching out and hearing all the Jedi voices which is a moment that I totally missed in my preparation and I wish maybe I hadn't Um, but uh, you know (laughs) or want to weigh in on our matchup uh, or anything else, where can people do that, sir?
1: Uh, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair. You can follow us um, on Facebook. Wampas, uh, at Wampas Lair podcast. You can email us at Wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at the underscore Wampas Lair.
0: Yes, indeed. Well,
1: I think that's going to wrap us up. Do you have
0: anything else you want to say before we close up this episode?
1: No, sir. That is it for me.
0: I'm one with the force and the force is with me and with Carl. So thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampas Lair podcast. This has been episode number 412 using the light side. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair.